Welcome. Today, you are tuned into the Evolution Exchange podcast. Here at Evolution, we help tech companies to scale up utilizing some of the most talented freelancers. My name is Connor and I am your host for today. Welcome to the latest installment of Evolution Exchange podcast. The time here is 5pm at the Evolution HQ and I'm joined by an experienced group of tech leads to discuss an intriguing topic. Our tech forward slash engineering leads important, but before we delve deeper into this topic, let's work our way around the room and make some general introductions. So I'd like to know who you are, what you do, and also your interests outside of work. So Flavio, if you'd like to take it away. Sure. Thanks a lot, Connor. Uh, and thanks so much for inviting me. Um, I'm so privileged that it's now my second time in this podcast. Uh, my name is Flavio Murashan. I work as a lead software engineer at Mask in, in Copenhagen. Um, I, I work as lead engineer in an area called search and buy. Um, I've been with the company for around seven, um, four years in, uh, in different roles. And outside of work, um, I like to spend time outdoors, mostly fishing when the weather in Denmark permits. Um, otherwise I'll be indoors reading some books. Nice. Thank you for that, Flavio. It's a pleasure to have you back on. Um, Mas, yeah, thank you for that comment. Um, yeah, my name is Mess. Uh, I um, I love uh, to. I actually pretty really enjoy this topic. I currently I'm a director of engineering at uh, at a small startup, but in the past I have had the role of both tech lead as well as architect and other adjacent roles to uh, to around uh, the whole engineering process. Um, so on my private time, uh, I love to spend time with my friends and family through um, gardening as well as, as uh, read books and play board games. Thank you very much, Mas. And Chris, do you? Thank you, Connor. And thank you very much for the invitation for this interesting topic. Uh, I'm a lead software engineer in, in Musk in network design, and I'm focused on the on .NET and Microsoft's cloud. And of analog activities outside work, uh, I like to grow tea, and I also like to do gardening, but not too much. And then, then I usually find time uh, four times a week to do some exercise. Back to you, Connor. Nice. Thank you, Christian. And last but not least, Mamu. Um, first, thank you for the invitation. I'm very happy to participate with this awesome uh, group of people to talk about this subject. Uh, my name is Mamun. I'm uh, I'm tech lead in a small company called Seasony, uh, and we are about 11 people right now. Um, I've been with the company for two and a half years, and two of them have been tech lead, and um, the company does build a robot for vertical farming, which is super exciting. So, um, outside of work, I have many, many hobbies, uh, just to cite a few of them. I like improvisation theater. I also like board games. I like hiking, uh, skiing. I like video games and all bunch of different things. And that's about me. Nice. Well, thank you for the context on each one of you and the introductions. But prior to the call, I asked each one of you to put forward a question that's directly related to this topic. Mads, I know you had a great question to pose to the rest of the panel, so if you'd like to kick us off. Yes, love that. So my question is, what are the main purposes of a tech lead in a team and how do they relate or overlap with other specialized roles such as product managers, scrum masters, architects and designers? Yeah, so Mamoon, if you'd like to kick us off with this one. Sorry, Mamoon, you're on mute, don't worry. We'll cut that. The, the usual... Um, I was saying, great question. Uh, I always ask myself, uh, what is the goal of tech lead? Like, what are we doing there as tech lead? Um, so I, 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 I thought about it and there is, um, the first thing that comes to mind is tech lead, his main, his main role would be to remove roadblocks for, uh, for the team 
to make um, the team run smoothly, as smoothly as possible. Um, and to do that, the, the tech lead needs to have a clear view on what's coming and share it with the team. Uh, he needs to be able to plan or at least help on planning, uh, help the product owner for planning or whoever is responsible for the planning. Um, of course, as the name in that, uh, um, indicates, uh, tech lead is also um, leader in the technical side, so he needs to be the tiebreaker in a decision making. I, like sometimes people say he needs to make the decisions, but I think it's better for tech lead to empower the team to make the decisions and the tech lead would be more of a tiebreaker if there is true possible solution and he will just come and weigh the possibilities uh, of which one will be better for the whole company. So he's not looking only at the team, but the two uh, have bigger picture than the team usually. Uh, to take this kind of decision. Um, and I, as I said, keeping the stakeholder um, informed, so both the team of what's going on in the company and the rest of the company of how, what is the progress in the team. Uh, but in general, I feel that tech lead, especially in small company like the one I'm working on, is um, he's meant to fill the gaps where it's needed, so he will be doing a little bit of architecture, a little bit of uh, um, stakeholder management, a little bit of whatever is gravitating around engineering um, and of course and not least do some engineering work because that's also his role right yeah. what do you guys think yeah thank you Ramon. uh i think you have a good point and i agree that uh, a lead engineer is somewhat of a swiss army knife right definitely get to do uh, a lot of different things also in, in bigger organizations um, if i should mention a few of the essentials ones seen from from my perspective then it is to ensure the technical quality uh, and stability stability of the systems the team is working on. Uh, it's of course also to assist the team where, where they need, right? Uh, what could be technical questions or other kinds of questions to try to, I just said them, I mean, right, to unblock the, the team. And then it's to participate in, in high-level estimation or if you like a sanity checking incoming request or incoming work to the team to make sure it, uh, it's compatible what you're doing today and uh, that it's healthy. Uh, basically what you're asked to do, right? And how the relation other roles? I say, yeah, you, you definitely need to have a presence in in all of these other areas you, you mentioned, mass. Um, and again, it's in part to understand what's coming towards the team and so to have a chance to intercept it early and also to help shape it and, and form it. Uh, and, and sometimes maybe also to provide a little bit of sparring for these these other roles if, if they could be interested in that. Yeah, that's uh, that's my perspective on that. Uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Kirsten. I, I think both of those were pretty really good descriptions um, of of this role. I think it really varies based on the, the, the team, the company, maybe the, the culture, the maturity of the team and, and so on. Um, I, I did try to reflect on on this and especially on the overlap and differences between the tech lead and the product manager and an architect for example I think if you look at if you look at the the, the product manager I think both of these roles are essentially leadership roles uh, both the manager and the tech lead and I think that in both cases um, there's a need for a certain sort of people skill set um interpersonal skills um and i think both of these roles come with um responsibilities having to do with with mentoring um others and and sort of fostering growth of of other engineers in the team um i think of course where they differ is that the tech lead has more focus on the tech part and then 
that the manager has a big chunk of work that has to do with people management. Um, so I think in, in that sense, they're, of course, different. And with regards to the architect, um, I, I think that both the tech lead and the architect typically would work at a um, slightly higher level, um, concerns having to do with the big picture or bigger picture. But I'm, I usually see architect as a more hands-off role compared to a tech lead. Um, I think the architect is typically the bridge between business and, and tech, and the architect would probably have a better understanding of the business domain than the tech lead. Not always, but often, at least from my experience. Um, whereas the tech lead would have would still primarily work at a higher level, but would have a much deeper understanding of the tech and would occasionally at least become very hands-on um, when the situation calls for it. Uh, so I think that's that's the difference between those uh, roles. But again, I do think that it is essentially a, a leadership role in, in the team. Um, but this question came from you, Matt, so what is your view on this? Thank you very much, Flavio. Uh, I honestly I don't have much to add because I think you you all really really nailed what what I myself see as, as the purpose of a tech lead, um, and I especially like uh, your point on on filling gaps uh, as as one of the the big things in tech leads. There is to me there is no one way to do tech leads, and even within companies, there's likely differing opinions on exactly what a tech lead is. So it's it's as much on what are the needs of the specific team that the tech lead is, is working on? Does the tech lead have a lot of, of domain knowledge on the team that they're working on? Or is it more, is the tech lead more of a, uh, a facilitator for the subject matter experts that are in the team? And that is, is very, very unique to each team and each, each tech lead, in my opinion. Um, I very, very, I really like your point, uh, Slavio, on uh, the difference between architect uh, as tech lead, a tech lead, um, with my background having worked as both, a, I agree with that. I personally, I dislike the the whole ivory tower kind of architect that is so far detached from from engineering teams and tech leads. So I I think there is less overlap on in my personal experience than that. That actually I I like to empower tech leads to to be the architect of their own domain instead of trying to to enforce something coming from someone out of, outside of the team. But I really enjoy your points, and uh, I don't have much to add to it. Really. Maybe I could add one more thing, uh, Mamun, to what you said, that, yeah, of course, we should also be be writing code, right? Uh, which, it's in part, enables us to have this solid understanding of how the, the system truly works uh, on a low level. Uh, we have to be able to have that understanding to, to help debug it, I think, and uh, understand how it can be improved or, or changed. And of course, guide the team on how to best work with the, the system, right? Yeah, of course. I think... I, sorry, I'm going to move my Very much. I, I agree very much. I just wanted to say that I completely agree with that. It's. I, I think, Flavio, um, um, you also mentioned, uh, and Christian also, about um, guiding the team um, toward uh, and make making space for junior developers and all that parts is also very important in a tech lead role. Of course, a very good take, Sergeant. I think in terms of the main objective being to remove roadblocks. And I like the, the statement you made, Christian, about it being somewhat of a Swiss army knife. A lot of different responsibilities and a lot of different, you know, hats that you'd have to wear, but technical qualities and stability, two of the main objectives. But one thing I noticed that you mentioned throughout that, gents, was empowerment and, you know, placing trust in the engineers and Flavio and all that you have. A question that directly relates to this in one way or another. So if you'd like to pose that to the group. Sure. Um, I will ask my question and I will start by saying 
It is a little bit of a trick question. It's not really a trick question, but I think it's a deeper question that than what you might think initially when you see it. So the question is, how much time should a tech lead spend writing code? If I may give you my interpretation of the question, I think the real question is, again, what is it exactly that the role of a tech lead is? Because that also then leads you to a conclusion with regards to how much code you should write. Um, but I am really curious to hear um, from your or in your experience, how much code does a tech lead usually write? Lead. Thank you, Zavarish. I think I'll kick that off in my, if I may. Um, so, so the, the, the base of it that I would like to th- start is, uh, calling you a bluff on, on the trick question is that any tech lead everywhere should code, uh, and as much as possible. In my opinion, the, the caveat to that is I think as a team grows and becomes more healthy, the, the tech lead will often find himself in, in situations where should he, uh, do the technical discovery on a new feature or should he groom this or should he run pairing sessions with junior engineers instead of focusing on his own code. And I think it's much more important for the tech lead to facilitate his team, to unblock them, to make sure that they are performant instead of himself personally. But he should be very, very deep embedded in the the whole coding process from, from start to finish. And if he can, and if he has the time to do some coding, or some exploratory experimental thing, stuff on, on his own time or, or in, in off work time, then he should definitely do that. Yeah, I can take it from here, Mess. Thank you. I say, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a good question, right? Um, and I think often it's about how much you're actually able to do. Um, and, and that, that can vary quite a bit depending on where is the team right now. Are you starting up a, a new project, a new greenfield project, for example? Of course, then. As a tech lead, you will be spending uh, a lot more time in, in meetings than you would if you are in a more regular rhythm of working. Um, but I say you, as a tech lead, yeah, I completely agree with you, Mass. You should definitely write code. Uh, it's important to have a finger on, on the pulse and um, keep that muscle alive, right, and strong. Uh, for for myself, I think I get to spend around forty percent of my time on, on coding and. I had sometimes fifty percent, but that gets offset by some other weeks. So, so I guess maybe around. 40%, that's, that's what I'm able to, to squeeze out of it. Yeah. Um, so, Memuna, what's, what's your perspective on this? Um, yes. Uh, I, I completely agree with you guys, um, because, uh, Mas, you, you put forward the, the idea of efficiency. And I agree with that. I think that, um, one of the role of the tech lead is to make the team as efficient as possible. And that come to the detriment of his personal efficiency, let's say, because he, he will write Technically, it will write less code than if he was a sim- simple engineer. I don't mean simple uh, to to be be, be, be rated. It just uh, came out like this. But but the thing is, if he doesn't write code, he will get further from the technology from what the team is doing. So I think there is a fine balance there uh, to find. Uh, if you don't write enough code, you cannot be good tech lead because you don't know the technology. But if you write too much, you're not tech lead either. So uh, because you need to take the, like all the things we're talking about since the beginning, you need to do those and they require time. So I, I guess between 40 and 50% of the time is a good, uh, is a good amount, but it also depends on the size of the team. For bigger teams, you will need to spend less time coding, I believe. And for smaller teams, and depending on the project, like you said. Yes, Mas, you have uh, something to add? Yeah. I, I- I think there is a very good point in, in there relating to what we talked about earlier in that tech leads uh, 
uh, they lead. So they need to lead and inspire their team. And one way to do that is facilitating and, and unblocking them. But in my personal experience, engineers don't like to follow leaders that are detached from their everyday reality and everyday problems. So if you don't have a tech lead that is in touch with them and actually does to some extent show that they are one of the the engineers that, and they know what they're talking about eventually you you will just have a tech lead i should say that is not really a tech lead because he is more of a uh, isolated architect or someone that that is not in touch with the team uh, i like that the, all of us are nodding to what you're saying that means it's very very true um but uh flavio you're the one who asked the question so Can you tell us uh, what you think about it? Sure. Um, yeah, thanks a lot for, for all the reviews. I, I, I do agree with these points. Um, I have thought a lot about this question myself, and I think that it does ultimately depend. I think um, it does depend, firstly, on where exactly the challenges are, where the biggest problems are. Um, if those are technical, the tech lead would probably write some more code. If they're not necessarily technical, um, then the tech lead would be writing less code. I think, um, again, that the tech lead has a great responsibility in, in growing the people around them. Um, and I, th I think um, I heard this once and I really liked it. Um, someone told me that if if you're doing something that you can do with your eyes closed, it shouldn't be do you doing it. Um, and, and I think that's a really... Um, good principle because um, on one hand, in in doing that, you're you're spending time on something that that doesn't add that much value instead of spending your time elsewhere where you could potentially have a bigger impact. And at the same time, you're probably also robbing someone else of of their growth opportunity, um, right? By by taking away that that task. Um, so that's at least what I'm trying to apply whenever I feel like writing some code. I'm trying to understand, is there someone, somebody else who should really be writing this code or do I really need to write it? Um, but at the same time, it's also very true what you said, um, Kerstin and, and uh, the others as well. I think that um, you do need to stay up to date. Um, you, you do need to stay relevant in terms of, of skill set and so on. And you can only do that by practicing, by, by actually writing code. Um, I don't know if I dare say how much time I spend writing code. Um, I think as as the rest of you, it, it probably varies quite a lot. Um, and you're right, Kerstin, um, where you have a lot of code to write, you're probably more involved yourself in, in writing that code. Whereas if it's either very early stages of the project or the project is already mature in production and there are other things around it that are more important, probably writing less code. Yeah, and I'll just add to this about writing code again, that uh, tick is an ever-changing world, right? There's always something new and, and shiny and uh, doesn't mean you should immediately pick it up, right? But you should have some awareness of, of what's out there. And so that writing code helps you uh, build that. I think definitely one um, one point that I totally agree with um, is this about exploring new technology and and so I think that as a tech lead, uh, it is quite likely that a lot of code you write is not necessarily um, something that's immediately going to go into production, but but some some exploratory uh, maybe proof of concept or or something like that where you're trying to evaluate multiple solutions for a problem that that the team is having and so on. Um, that's at least in in my experience what what you often end up doing. Yeah, 
I think some great points there. I like one thing you said earlier as well, Father, you, is that it's dependent on where the problem is. I think coming into this episode, we have two people who are at Maersk, a couple of people who are at scale-ups, you know, maybe smaller organisations, and obviously the, the multinational company that is Maersk. So I was wondering whether the role of the tech lead would, you know, be, be depicted by the responsibilities and the size of the organisation, but I think there's some commonality in terms of it's about instilling the best and getting the best out of the people underneath you and removing them roadblocks. But Christian, without further ado, I know that you had a very nice question. Or oh, Flavio, if you'd like to take it away, I can see the, the hands up. Oh, sorry. It was just one last point because you mentioned um, organizations of, of different sizes and, and so on. I think, uh, I'm not sure about smaller organizations. I think at least at Mask, one one important role of the tech lead is also to connect the team with the broader organization. I think a lot, you were talking about where the problem is. Not necessarily that that's a problem, but it is an important aspect in the work of the team that they are aligned with the bigger picture, with the broader organization, with the tech strategy within the organization as a whole, um, aligned with the um, standardizations initiatives in the organization. And really the tech lead, in my view, facilitates communication both ways and it takes the team's problem to the rest of the organization and also brings the message from the rest of the organization to the team. Um, I'm not sure how that works in, in, in smaller organizations, but it's definitely um, something that's part of our daily life at Mask. Mask, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. to add, um, I think I love your point about uh, the uh, bi-directional communication in and out of the team. And uh, you said problems. I, I don't necessarily think it should just be problems coming from the tech lead, but one of the best applications I've seen on tech leads communicating upwards is also how to evangelize adoption of new technology because it, within a team it can be very easy to try out new things in a small business unit. And then once you actually have the results and have the, um, have the, 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 the methods and the arguments to back up why this should be adopted on a wider scale then you can evangelize and, and communicate that outward. My point of view is from um, from a small company, and uh, I can guarantee it's the same situation to share uh, bi-directionally from the team to the rest of the company. And here I'm talking from the dev development team to the management team and the um, sales team and whatever is in the organization. Uh, and it's so it's the same situation, bi-directional communication. Thank you for that, gents. And Christian, I know that you had a question to, to post the panel. What was that one? Yeah, thank you, Gala. Um, so let's, let's face it, guys, right? We cannot be the, the best in everything. So how can you be a technical lead for a senior team of skilled engineers? And uh, Flavio, let's let's start with your view on this, please. Sure. Thank you, Christian. Um, I think it connects a bit back into what we sort of all agreed that is typically the role of, of a, um, a tech lead um, the, the technical skill set. There's also the interpersonal skill set. There's the facilitating dimension that we were discussing earlier and so on. Um, so, so I think that there is, of course, more to it than, than just the, the depth of the technical knowledge. Um, but that has to be there, um, still. Um, as, as a tech lead, you would expect that person to be able to jump into very complex technical problems and, um, if not solve them themselves, but at least help the team, um, find a solution to, to those problems. Um, but I think that ultimately you will not be able to, um, it, it's, it's not necessarily that the tech lead that always have, has the deepest expertise in every single problem or area that the team touches on. Um, I remember, um, it, it's, it's a bit of a side story, but I, I do remember, um, after 
um, defending my master's thesis, um, our our this, um, coordinator, our supervising professor, came to us and said, at this point, you probably know a lot more on this topic than I do, um, which, of course, was very generous of him to say. Uh, but of course, if somebody spent half a year or one year or more than that looking into a very specific problem, they will end up knowing a whole lot about it, um, more than the tech lead and, and so on. I think, again, the, the responsibility of the tech lead mostly has to do with the slightly bigger picture in, in the team. And I think that at that level where the tech lead operates, most of the problems are not purely technical. Um, they do have a technical dimension, but they also have other dimensions having to do with aligning with the rest of the organization or, or looking at a problem from a different perspective, facilitating some kind of communication between teams. Um, so I think that, you know, while you, you of course need this very deep technical skills that it is not, um, it's not the only key to success in this role. Um, what do you think, Mamun? Um, I very much agree with you. I don't think that being the most knowledgeable is just, it's just not feasible. Um, in, uh, where I work, we're working with robots. Uh, there is, in robots, there is three specialties, mechanical, electrical, and software. There is no way someone is the best in all of them. Um, so what I believe in, in is that um, the tech lead needs to have a few uh, skills, uh, which is about listening and communicating properly. And uh, even though he's the one who's making the final decision, but as I said earlier, it's about empowering the team to make the decision. And he's just ticking off uh, that it's, yeah, we can do this or not. Tiebreaker, but there is a solution already if there is a tie to break. So uh, it's all about listening to whatever people have to say and making sure to uh, change your opinion if that's what's needed uh, because sometimes you need to have you, you have your own opinion and someone comes that knows better and you need to say yeah you know better than me i will follow your opinion i think that's uh, that's about being tech lead empowering people and uh, bringing uh, the people that are with you up uh, you want to answer back Flavia? Yeah, um, I, I fully agree with your points and, and listening to you making those points brought this thought, um, to my mind that I think something that's really important is, of course, the experience. You, you might not, as a tech lead, you might not always be, um, the, the most skilled in, in all areas, but I do think that tech leads tend to have a lot of experience in a lot of different teams. And I think that that gives you that, you know, um, superpower to sort of connect the dots, see around the corners and so on. Um, and I working with other tech leads, um, in, in our organization, I often find myself seeking their opinion. Um, not because they know more about that specific thing than everybody else, but mostly because they have that experience, which sometimes, um, in, enables them to see some things, which I'm probably missing. Um, so I, I think that that's also really important. Yeah, I I very, I very much agree with the experience side and the rest. It's uh, sometimes I see myself like thinking two, three steps ahead because I've been in similar situations and I'm like, yeah, we're going to face this very soon. We, sh we need to take action toward it so that we don't find and it goes back to the roadblocks and all that. Um, uh, Mass, you have a, you have an yes. opinion on this? Yeah, I think it, it's a, you're making a very good point. Um, because both of you, because I think if, if you are the type of person that is always in any collection of people and is the smart, smartest per person, I would very much like to know more about how you're thinking because I've never met such a person before. Um, there to me is being a tech lead is not about knowing 
everything there is to know about databases more than anyone else, everything there is to know about any tech stack uh, that, that the team uses. But it's about finding ways to get those opinions uh, and those experiences shared as freely as possible within the team. Um, so, so there are different mechanisms that you can use, and and when you you mentioned some of them with with more soft skills, and we've touched on them before in terms of mentoring, in terms of pair programming, and and other day to day tools that tech leads can use to 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 uh, to get those those experiences shared. Uh, I also very, very much like to, to within my teams to have a, as frequent as possible, but have a, engineering meetings where we discuss upcoming topics or, uh, cool frameworks or processes or anything relating to the team that, that the team likes to, to discuss. And the important thing for, for me is to not be the person that brings these topics as much as possible, but actually encourage everyone in my team to, to present these topics, to discuss them, and find the best opinion, find the best results uh, themselves. And um, and yeah, what's your take on it, Christian? How do you how do you see this? Thank you, Mess. I think you all caught very well many of my uh, points, but I'll still uh, go, go through them. Uh, so I, I'm lucky to be in a team with, with very skilled engineers, and I could talk about it. it's impossible to be better than everybody in, in everything, right? Uh, as you well described, Flavio, there will be someone who has spent a lot of time on some specific tools. Uh, and I think you have to just embrace that fact that you are not the best in everything, right? And instead try to turn it into a, a strength uh, for the team. And how, how I approach this in my team is, is like this, that there are some things that are mandatory. And that's especially around quality. So we need to... I, I make sure we build systems with a healthy design, that we have good test coverage, proper instrumentation, and then some detailed monitoring. So we make sure we can keep an eye on, on the systems and... Uh, if they start to go sideways uh, before the users tell us, right, we can see it ourselves. So th- those are the sort of things I usually um, make sure we, we follow, right? And it's also about styling, which is always something you can discuss a lot, right? If things should be formatted like this or that, uh, then I've set some, some a few ground rules and then we have a tool that makes sure that it's always followed, right? But other than that, uh, I completely uh, agree with, with the points, especially you, you made a Moon, but also UMass, uh, like about empowering the teams. And I run a bi-weekly meeting called Design and Architecture. And there are the engineers in the team. They can bring up a change request for, for anything except what was in the above list, right? And then um, new ideas, new technologies they would like to try or new tools they think we should use. And then we have a discussion in, in the group and we make a vote and then we, we go with the majority. And so that, that's how we do it in, in my team. Yeah, Mess. Yeah, you're you're touching on something very very cool and important that we haven't touched on before. Is is really the the hearts like the hard other uh, principles that a tech lead is to have. And and I I see tech leads as someone that are very principled engineers in their everyday work. So as I said, we need to to focus on test coverage. That's not the same of you coming up personally with the way that that test coverage needs to be uh, increased, but you empower the team to figure out how do we increase the test coverage if that is the yeah. focus of you as a tech lead. Yeah, good point. I think some really nice points there about what's expected of a tech lead. I think we've really got to grips with the way in which you should be performing. But Mamoon, I know that you had a great question which was about the 
the criteria and how you assess this. So I'd love for you to pose that to the panel. Yes, of course. Um, it's a question that I asked myself um, as soon as I became a tech lead is how do I know if I'm doing my job properly? And uh, so, so what are the assessment criteria or the KPIs that we need to fulfill in order to say, I did a good job in, in the last months? Um, maybe, Christian, you can start? Yes, thank you, Mamun. Uh, yeah, I think you could, there can be many answers to that, right? I'll, I'll try uh, one. And um, I think it's when you know something that is useful to others, meaning uh, your team members will come to you and ask for your help or your guidance. But you will also sometimes have colleagues outside your team that come to you with a, with a question uh, or just want your opinion on something. Yeah. But also that you have a seat at the table with the management, architects and product owners and so on when they are discussing new greenfield systems or bigger changes to, to existing systems. So when they feel like it's it's worth in, inviting you and, and they would like your opinion. Uh, so I, I think you cannot really put exactly a KPI, right? But uh, yeah. I think that some indicators that, that you're doing the the right thing. I don't know, Mess. What? How do you measure that? Um, yeah, you're making a good point on on the on the personal side of, of how do you know you're you're doing well is is definitely a part of if you're uh, even if you're not the the, the uh, most knowledgeable or most experienced person in the room, you're still look to as the person to make sure that that things happen. And, and back to the title, leads the technical aspect of the team. Uh, I do think that there are some interesting metrics to look at, but they definitely should not stand alone. One of them, one of the ones that I use a lot as, as indicator of the uh, health and um, efficiency of, of my team is the, the door metrics. So uh, um, how how good is my team at deploying? How, how, uh, how, how frequent and how fast do they go through their cycles as well as uh, how, how often are there failures to the system whenever they do deploy or in general, um, and how fast do they recover from those? So that those are to me something that can be looked at as a brief indicator of of the health of the system that the team is working on. And that's often the way I use them is that I ask the team on a regular basis how how can we use these metrics and these indicators to improve stuff in the in the system. Um, but on a on a personal level. I like Christian's point much, much more because that's uh, much better at indicating if you're doing well or not than, uh, than so KPIs, in my opinion. Flavia, do I have anything? Uh, any point as well? I, I think this is a really difficult question. Um, I, I think it, it really depends a lot on, on, um, you know, what kind of role this is i think you know for example whether you're a tech lead in in one team and in that case you're closer to that team closer to that product or maybe you're a lead engineer in in a broader area maybe for one single project that's a cross team project or simply in an area with multiple projects across multiple teams and so on and and i think the criteria probably differ based on the situation that you're in um typically the the second scenario would qualify as i think people refer to as staff plus type of engineers um these days and i think uh dora metrics for the systems are are definitely useful i think there's also something about how you influence the culture the the software culture in the area where you work um your impact on the growth of the people around you um and I think, um, just for self-assessment, um, I think it's really useful to reflect on w what is the impact of, of the things you're, you're working on. Um, because it's, 
it's it's a it's a tricky question sometimes to to really ask yourself: Am I really working on the most important problems, on the most important challenges, or am I, you know, snacking, um, going around finding small coding tasks and so on, and spending all my time on 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 those? Right. Yeah. So 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 I think that's that's something really important to to reflect on. And and I think in in that case. Um, what can be really useful is is to also check with with peers or or your manager whether they also see the problems that you're working on as being the most important or whether they're wondering why you're spending time on that um can be quite useful and we'd like to hear your take on it mahmoud after this but i've got a little follow-up question hi everyone this is chris bennett here the nordics managing director here at evolution I really hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. In regards to empowerment and getting the best out of engineers, you know, if you were to try and empower your team, would you say it's probably beneficial if they come to you and ask for help, or would you say you're doing better as a tech leader if they come up with their own solutions? Um, I, I, I think that if if you want to empower them, you would encourage them to find their own solutions. Um, I, I, I think it it really depends on the problem. Of course, some problems are really critical or really complex, and then you want you probably want to be more involved. You you don't want to keep them blocked for for too long. Um, but at the same time, I think um, we learn a lot or we grow a lot when trying to solve certain problems ourselves. Um, so, so I think there's a lot of growth in in letting the engineers do that. Um, so, I would I would always try to start by just giving a few ideas or an overall direction where to look for the solution, rather than pointing right at the solution and uh, you know problem solved. Um. Uh, f- from my point of view, it's it's a matter of balance. One once again, it's uh, I want I want the team to come up with the solution, but I also want to be informed about uh, that there is a problem and that they're coming up with a solution or they need help for a solution. So in an ideal world, which is never the case, but keep up with me. In an ideal world, they will inform me when there is a problem, and then if they don't find the solution within a relatively common time, uh, then I will interject and try to help uh but it's about a balance and knowing the team and knowing who prefer working how uh, i think it's very important to to know that uh how about you mass what do you what do you think yeah so, um to answer your question the the best the best way to have that interaction uh, between the team's engineers and the tech lead is when the team's engineers comes to the tech lead because they have a problem um and if I also think it's the tech lead's uh, position and, and job to, if that does not happen, if you have an engineer that has not had any um, relation with, with the tech lead in, in quite a while and is working on a very uh, broad problem, perhaps maybe they're struggling and maybe they're just not bringing their, their, um, their position to the tech lead because they 
still like they still want to get at it then the technique can reach out to them and say hey how are you doing how are things are you still on track to make sure that they are not uh they don't fall behind and the deadlines get stretched etc and um and and flavio to uh and and mamu to your point i think uh, give me a sec uh it's it's important that um i'm sorry i'm losing my train of thought here so so maybe christian you can go ahead yeah thank you mess So I would say I would rather be, be asked one question too many. Uh, in, in part, I would like that feeling of psychological safety in the team, that the team members, they shouldn't be worried, should I ask this question or not, you know. Uh, then rather one question too many, and it can also help unblock the team. And maybe, you know, they will spend three hours in this, but if I sit with them, then together we spend maybe 45 minutes, and then it's, it's still more efficient. Um, so, so for that, I, I don't mind uh, questions. I always try to squeeze in the the, the time to uh, answer as many as I can. Yeah. Um. I I, I think um, just some more reflections on this. I I think that it, it also depends a bit on what kind of problem it is. If it's a very concrete, technical, typically programming problem, and and so on, you would of course want to get them to give them the help they need and get them unblocked as as soon as possible, ideally. If if it's if it's a more um, abstract problem or maybe some kind of decision that needs to be made where um, there's a certain research needed and then an analysis of pros and cons and, and so on. I think there is, I still think there's a lot of value in, in letting um, engineers go through that, um, not least because as we all um, discussed before, you might not always be the one with the deepest technical uh, knowledge in the room. So I think um, what can also happen is that as you let them do research and explore a bit more, um, they might come with some points or findings that you didn't really consider to begin with. Um, so I think there's really uh, pros and cons to to both approaches here. Of course, I agree, Flavio. And uh, I caught my train of thought again. So as for for the um, the ability to fail in in making the wrong decisions, I think it's super important as a technique that you allow that to happen safely. Is the caveat. So you should, if you have a, for example, a junior engineer, you should allow that that junior engineer to be able to experiment and implement the solutions in less than efficient way, but perhaps not let that code go to production if it's going to break production. Because that is one part of the learning experience experience to actually be able to fail and reflect on your own uh, your own decisions and how that led to to this outcome. But of course, it should never be at the cost of of uh, of breaking production or or having negative impact for customers. Well, thank you very much for going up for me, gents. Mamoon, I don't want to brush over the challenge that you put forward to the group. I feel like I probably interjected and took away, but. You were discussing assessment criteria in terms of success as a tech lead. So, what's your take? Uh, well, I did ask the question because I'm quite unsure about uh, how to answer it. So, um, great, uh, great answers because I, it's not it's not things that I consider considered before, uh, especially the people part where people actually come to you when they need help from uh, from tech leads. But I will keep that in mind. Um, the way I look at it is really team focused. Um, probably because I'm in a small team uh, and it's about like increasing the focus time of the team uh, by that is reducing meetings if possible and this kind of things but also uh, as we said before removing roadblocks so that they don't see them at all they don't need to go to reach it and then get blocked by something if that something does not exist to start with it's better feeling I think for the team which bring me to to next uh, thing which is uh, maybe Um, 
a happy team is a good uh, is a good metric. If you have a happy team, of course you're not the only one influencing that. There is project manager behind. There is uh, many things, but I think TechLead has uh, something to say in the in the quality of life of the team. And uh, the last thing, which is in relation with the people coming to you, is the flow of communication that your team is actually aligned with the rest of the the company and that the company knows what's going on. Uh, within the team that's that's what i thought about but it's it's very and like it's very fuzzy uh kpi or assistant criteria or whatever we call them it's, it's not something we can put a number on but that's why it's uh it's hard isn't it that's exactly why it was a great question christian yeah thank you yeah i got inspired Mamun, by your comment about meetings and i think that that's something that's definitely a chance right how do you make sure the team does not participate in too many meetings, but at the same time, they participate in the meetings that make the most sense. I think there's there's no easy answer to that, but uh, I think that's uh, a good aspect of the tech lead to try to make a balance there. Uh, yes, I completely agree. It's, uh, it's, it's always a challenge with all companies and all teams to how many meetings are uh, too much meetings, right? And at this stage, gentlemen, I'd like to just put it out to the table. Is there any other questions you'd like to ask? Or anything further you'd like to add, Bas? Yeah, I have one um, that hopefully you you guys will be able to to answer without any prep. Um, but given what we've talked about today, what do you see as your uh, personal principles as as a as a technique? How what do you use as an internal measuring stick for decisions, for example? I think um, if I understood your question correctly, I think it's. To, to, to me, it's all about impact and, and, and the dimensions of impact being the impact on people and impact on the technical um, side. Uh, so I, I think if the question, if I understood the question correctly as connected to the performance of the tech lead and the nature of this role, um, I think it, it has a lot to do with with impact. Um, I think that if you look at the career ladder for engineers, I think up to, up to senior engineer, it's all about growing your autonomy from senior engineer and upwards. It's about growing your impact. Um, and, and, and I think that's at least what guides me in, in, in this. Great answer. Thank you. Christian. Yeah. Thank you, Mess. I think, as I think you, you mentioned before, Mamun, it's, it's a happy team, right? I think that's an important criteria. Uh, but also that the team is working on, on the right thing, uh, which I think you touched upon, uh, Flavio, right? You're building something valuable for the, the business. And then uh, it's a system health, uh, that the thing the team is, is working on, it's uh, doing what it should, and it's uh, running, it's not breaking, uh, and you make sure it stays that way. I think that's that's also an important aspect for particularly, especially if you're working in a DevOps way, right? Um, I I very much agree with you, Christian. Uh, back, uh, it's it's about. Uh, I think it's about uh, the people, uh, because in the end, a team is composed of people. Whatever we do, and uh, making them happy and getting to point where they they want to do what they're doing. But also, uh, like you said, uh, Flavio is about doing the right thing, uh, right, uh, and having that impact on the company and potentially on the world in some situation. Um, so it's uh, like the the principle that guides me are really trying to do the best uh, that that the team needs and the company needs. Uh, but what about you, Mas? What's uh, what's your take on it? Um, for me, I think there are two overall um, principles. Is one is is to as as you guys have brilliant touched on is to put 
the team before yourself. So make sure that the team always has the the tools that they need and are unblocked at the expense of you. And going back to what we talked about earlier with uh, with how much uh, technique should be be coding. That's that's the the measuring stick that I use. Is is I should be coding as much as possible, but can I spend my time empowering my team to be more to be better or uh, more efficient instead? Then that's what I will spend on. And the other one, it when it comes to tech. Uh, is is for me important that that you foc- that that I focus on delivering value to customers in a sustainable, scalable way. So I uh, I believe that if you have a team that, for example, deploys frequently uh, every day if they have to, that is a, a good indicator of a team that is able to to uh, to pivot to be able to actually deliver in small. Uh, valuable steps to uh, to uh, to customers while also being able to recover fast if they need to. Flavin? Um thank you, Mess. I, I think that that it really makes a lot of sense. Um, I think another an, another principle that's good to keep in mind and that I like to use at least is if anybody in the team or yourself come across certain things where you think oh, this is not quite working, somebody should really do something about this, you can safely assume that somebody is you. Um, so it's it, it's about this sense of responsibility and realization that um, you do really are expected to solve the, the, the most complex problems and you, you can't really expect anybody else to solve those for you. Uh, whether those are internal to your team or have to do with a broader organization, just assume it's your problem and you have to at least take some initiative um towards solving it yes yes and 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 one principle that i also like to work with is what i call boy scouting uh, which is very close to what you're saying is that it's our job as as engineers but especially as techniques to to uh to evangelize that is is uh is to always improve on on the tech and the code base that we're working on every step of the way always leave the code base better than what you found it in Great follow-up question as well, Moss. Some great insights to provide on that one. So thank you for everybody providing an answer. I know it was a little bit of improv, but great thinking on your feet. So I'd just like to take this opportunity to thank all four of you for making some great contributions. I'm really looking forward to getting this one published. And if you're listening and you'd like to take part in a future episode, please feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn at Connor Leyland or drop me an email at connor.leyland at evolution-nordics.com. Thank you, and I'll see you soon.